Day with the King is a 3ABN Australia television production developed to lead children through a study of the Bible and to grow in their understanding and love for God. We invite you to download your weekly study guide at adaywiththeking.com. So come on kids, join us now and each week for A Day with the King. Welcome to our lounge room at the commencement of another Sabbath day. I'm Auntie Leah and we're so pleased to have Uncle Daniel with us too. Hello Auntie Leah. Hi Uncle Daniel and hello to each one of you here with us. I love the way you help out with our worship time. Hello. Is there anyone else you'd like to say hello to? I would. Who's that? I want to say hello to my friend Talitha. She lives in Bow Desert in Queensland, Australia. Hello. Bryce, would you please say a prayer for us to invite Jesus to be with us today as we worship? Dear Lord, thank you for keeping us safe this week. Please be with us now in Jesus' name. Amen. Mm, amen. Thank you, Bryce. Auntie Leah, what clue to Bible prophecy do you have for us today? Well, last week we learned about prophetic time. Our jewel box contains another Bible gem about prophetic time. Who would like to find that? I would. Wow, what does that lovely gemstone represent? Ezekiel 4.6 In this text, God tells the prophet Ezekiel to lie on his side for a set amount of time as a symbol of what God is going to do to the rebellious Israelites. Shemaiah, would you please read that for us? Sure. Lie again on your right side, then you shall bear the iniquity of the house of Judah forty days. I have laid on you a day for each year. Thank you. Like our verse last week, God uses a day in prophecy to represent one literal or one calendar year. We need to work out some more time prophecies which we'll use in the weeks ahead. How long does one day in prophecy represent? One, one year. year. If a prophecy talked about seven days, how long would that be? Seven, seven years. Yes. If a prophecy talked about one week in prophetic time, how many literal years would that equal? Seven, seven years. Yes, because one week equals seven days. If the Bible talked about the middle of the week, it would be talking about halfway through the week, right? So what is half of seven? Three, three and a half. If a prophecy talks about three and a half days, how many years is it referring to in real time? Three, three and, and a half years. Very good. We're going to learn about a prophecy that is 70 weeks long. Wow, that's 70 times seven, which is 490 days. So, 490 prophetic days is how many years? 490 years. Excellent, guys. Good work. In a few weeks' time, these clues will help us to understand a beautiful prophecy about Jesus. Meanwhile, in today's Bible story, we'll learn about another mysterious prophetic message. I can't wait to find out more about that. So remember, the Bible explains itself. Jeremiah, what clue do we have in our jewel box to help us understand symbolic prophecies? Dig deep. So we don't need to go outside the Bible to understand what the Bible has to say. We have to dig deep 
into different parts of scripture to find out the meaning of some symbols. It's going to be a wonderful journey of discovery. It's the best treasure hunt you'll ever go on. We don't even have to be good at maths to understand time prophecies. One day equals one year. That's pretty simple, isn't it? Uncle Daniel, Brayden's here. You're right. Brayden, welcome. Thanks, Uncle Daniel. I'm so glad that it's the Sabbath once again. We've actually got a brand new song. It's called This Is The Day The Lord Has Made. It's a Sabbath song. Let's sing it together. Can we sing books of the Bible? Oh wow, that's a, that's a challenging one, but we'll give it a go. whatsoever. We can sing that song. It's a really good one. Thanks for singing with us, Brayden. Now, Dr. John has another story for us. Hello, boys and girls. I'm Dr. John, and I'm so happy to see you. And I'm so happy to see the boys and girls watching on their televisions right across the world. David Douglas was born in Scotland. And as he grew up, he had one passion. He loved trees. And wherever he went, he would plant a little tree. And when he left school, they said, 
I think you're going to have to work with trees. So he got a job in a garden and he was so good at growing trees. They said, we want you to go all the way across to America and explore and bring home some new trees. Oh boy, that was a job he really wanted. And off he went. And he was traveling in the woods and he didn't know the Indians were stalking him. They'd never seen a white man before. And all of a sudden they jumped out at him. He was not only good at trees, he was a very good runner. And he started to run as fast as he could and they couldn't keep up with him. But he was carrying a box on his back called a vasculum for carrying little seedlings. And it was bumping on his back and there was one Indian who was catching up with him. And when he was just about to grab him, he suddenly stopped bent down and the Indian went head over heels, splat. And then the rest of the Indians caught him. And they sat him down and they looked at him and they said, we've never seen a white man before. We'll give him some food. So he gave him some food, some fish, and it wasn't very good and he was feeling upset in the tummy. And in his bag, he asked for some water. He did something that absolutely amazed them. He got his medicine. And when I pour this in, it will look as though it's boiling because the Indians all thought that it was boiling. And he put it in and he stirred it with it. <gasps> How could he put his finger in boiling water? And then he drank it. Mm. And they said, he is magic. We will show you all the strange trees in America. And you know, he found a tree. That is a beautiful big tree. He just loved a tree like that. But he then found a tree that is now named after him. It is called the Douglas fir, and it is the most popular Christmas tree in the whole world. He decided that he would take one home, and he got a little seedling, just like that, and he wrapped it up, he put it in his vasculum, and he took it all the way back to Scotland. And when they looked at it, and they saw in the roots there was gold. He'd got it from an area where there was gold. And they said, look at the gold. And you know what he said? I'm not interested in looking at the gold. I'm only interested in looking at the tree because the tree is more precious than the gold. And you know, the Bible has a lot to say about trees and they are very, very important because right in the very first book of the Bible, it talks about the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And through the Bible, it talks about Abraham resting under a great big oak tree. And Jesus talks about different types of trees. And in the very end of the Bible, it talks about the tree of life. And trees are things that people used to worship, but God said it is a symbol of my strength and my love. 
and is a symbol of eternal life because when we get to heaven, we will eat from the tree of life. And God has given that tree special powers. Remember David Douglas, the man who loved trees and risked his life to give us beautiful trees. Thank you, boys and girls. Hello again. Ready for our Bible study? Open your Bible to Daniel chapter 5 in readiness for today's story. Who would like to offer a prayer to ask the Holy Spirit to be with us as we study our Bibles today? I will. Thank you, Sai. Dear God, thank you for these Bible stories. Please send your Holy Spirit to help us understand what we read. In Jesus' name, Amen. Shemaiah, what did we learn about last week? That God humbled the king for seven years. Yes, he did. And did King Nebuchadnezzar finally submit to God's control? Yes. Yes, Nebuchadnezzar ruled till he was old. His son took over the throne and then Nebuchadnezzar's grandson, King Belshazzar, became co-ruler of the kingdom. Belshazzar knew about, about his grandfather's experience of being humbled by God for seven years but he was young, self-centered, and rebellious. He liked big parties and getting drunk. Our story today starts in Daniel chapter 5, verse 1. Could you please read that, Bethany? Belshazzar, the king, made a great feast for a thousand of his lords and drank wine in the presence of the thousand. That's not a very upright king, is it? But it didn't stop there. In drunken defiance of God, King Belshazzar commanded that the gold and silver vessels taken from the temple in Jerusalem by King Nebuchadnezzar to be brought out. They poured intoxicating wine into the holy temple vessels. Belshazzar, his lords, his wives and his concubines all drank from them and mocked God by praising the God of gold and silver, bronze, iron, wood and stone. Now, that was an act which forced God to respond. Let's see what our torchlight, Mrs. White's book, Prophets and Kings, page 530, shines on this. Would you please read that, Caleb? Sure. In the last night of mad folly, Belshazzar and his lords have filled up their measure of their guilt and the guilt of the Chaldean kingdom. No longer could God's restraining hand word of the impending evil. Through manifold providences, God has sought to teach them reverence for His law. Then a really scary thing happened. Bryce, could you please read about that in verse 5? In the same hour, the fingers of a man's hand appeared and wrote opposite to the lampstand on the plaster of the king, the wall of the king's palace. And the king saw the part of the hand that wrote. God sent King Belshazzar a text message written on the wall with a bloodless hand. What a party stopper. You can see from our picture here that it certainly would have given everyone a fright. Can you read that in verse 6, Shemaiah? Then the king's countenance changed and his thoughts troubled him so that the joints of his hips were loosened and his knees knocked, knocked against each other. Can you imagine that? The king's knees knocking together, he was really scared. He screamed for those useless astrologers, Chaldeans and soothsayers, and offered them a purple robe, a gold chain, and even a third place in the kingdom if they could interpret the writing on the wall. But 
Do you think they could? No. No, they couldn't. Panic broke out. There were drunken screams of terror as the letters glowed larger and brighter. So much so that the Queen Mother heard about it and came into the banquet hall to try to settle the situation. She told Belshazzar to call Daniel in. So Daniel was brought in before the king. The king had heard about Daniel's ability to interpret dreams in relation to his grandfather, King Nebuchadnezzar. Jaira, will you please read what the king said to Daniel in verse 16? And I have heard of you that you can in give interpretations and explain enigmas. Now, if you can read the writing and make known to me its interpretation, you shall be clothed with purple and have a chain of gold around your neck and shall be the third ruler in the kingdom. Daniel had a reputation for solving mysteries, riddles and puzzles. That's what explaining enigmas means. Daniel was an elderly man at this point. He had been in Babylon for nearly 70 years and he remained faithful to God amidst all the attractions and luxurious lifestyles of the palace court. According to historians, Belshazzar was co-ruler of Babylon with his father. So, do you think Daniel was excited about being made the third ruler in the kingdom? No. Let's find out. Sai, can you please read about that in verse 17? Then Daniel answered and said before the king, Let your gifts be for yourself and, let your, and give your rewards to another. Yet I will read the writing to the king and make known to him the interpretation. Daniel told the king that he could keep his gifts and went to give him a family history lesson. Antilia, could you please read that in verses 18 to 20? Yes. O king, the most high God, gave Nebuchadnezzar your father a kingdom and majesty, glory and honour. And because of the majesty that he gave him, all peoples, nations and languages trembled and feared before him. Whomever he wished, he executed. Whomever he wished, he kept alive. Whomever he wished, he set up. And whomever he wished, he put down. But when his heart was lifted up and his spirit was hardened in pride, he was deposed from his kingly throne and they took his glory from him. Hmm. And Bethany, could you please read verse 21? Then he was driven from the sons of men. His heart was made like the beasts, and his dwelling was with the wild donkeys. They fed him grass like oxen, and his body was wet with the dew of heaven, till he knew that the Most High God rules in the kingdom of men, and appoints over it whomever he chooses. Then Daniel gave Belshazzar a dressing down in verse 22. He accused Belshazzar of refusing to humble his heart, even though he knew of all the supernatural things that had happened to his grandfather, King Nebuchadnezzar. Caleb, could you please read verse 23, where Daniel continues to rebuke Belshazzar? Sure. And you have lifted yourself up against the Lord of heaven. They have brought the vessels of his house before you, and you and your lords and your wives and your concubines have drunk wine from them, and you have praised the gods of silver and gold, bronze and iron, wood and stone, which do not see or hear or know. And the God who holds your breath in his hands and owns all your ways, you have not glorified. Daniel told Belshazzar that the fingers of the hand were sent from God as a direct result of his God-defying behavior. 
Verse 25 tells us that this mysterious bloodless hand wrote the words, Mene, Mene, Tekel, Yufasen. Then Daniel gave the interpretation. Daniel uses the word Perez in his explanation. This is the singular form of the word Yufasen. Bryce, could you please read the next two verses, verses 26 to 28. This is the interpretation of each word. Mene, God has numbered your kingdom and finished it. Tekel, you have been weighed in balance and found wanting. Perez, your kingdom has been divided and given to the Medes and Persians. So as promised, Belshazzar commanded that Daniel be clothed with purple with a gold chain around his neck. And he proclaimed Daniel the third ruler in the kingdom. The only problem was that the kingdom didn't even last that night. As Daniel was explaining the mysterious writing on the wall, the Medes and Persians were already at work diverting the river Euphrates, which ran through Babylon via an opening in the wall. Cyrus marched his soldiers up the drained riverbed and through the huge metal river gates that had been accidentally left open. Amazingly, Cyrus's ability to enter Babylon, because the gates were left open that night, was prophesied around 150 years earlier by the prophet Isaiah. So we know that God was in control as Cyrus conquered Babylon. You can read about that in Isaiah 45 and verses 1 to 5. Shemaiah, can you please tell us what happened next in verses 30 and 31? That very night, Belshazzar, king of the Chaldeans, was slain. And Darius... Darius the Mede received the kingdom, being about 62 years old. Let's turn to Proverbs 16 and verse 18 and read our memory verse together. This is a warning about pride. It also talks about a haughty spirit, which means being conceited, stuck up or snobbish. Are we ready to do that? All right, let's read it together. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Sadly, King Belshazzar demonstrated how true that proverb really is. His pride led to his own destruction that very night, and his haughty, conceited spirit led to the fall of the Babylonian Empire. So let's remember to stay humble and give God the glory for all our achievements and prosperity. Thank you for joining us in our Bible study. The daily devotional goes into more depth on our study today. Here's how you can obtain your copy. (sighs) What do you want? You bored? Yes. Look what I got. Whoa. Look at that. Where'd you get this? A day with the king.com. Uncle Daniel, what are we going to learn about next week? Well, next week, we are going to learn about what happened to Daniel after the night Babylon was captured. We have an amazing animal story, which will strengthen our trust in God in all circumstances. I like animal stories. It's time to say our memory verse. All together. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Proverbs sixteen eighteen. Some Bible verses are warnings. They are given to protect us and to save us from making fools of ourselves. Janina, what did you learn about the king this week? 
I need to stay humble like Jesus. Yes, Jesus is our example in everything and we don't need to brag and boast. And Jesus also gives us the power to follow his example because we can't do anything good without him. Auntie Leah, I think it's time to close our worship time. Already? Can we sing the blessings song to the children at home? Yes, we can. Ready, everyone? me because he first loved me. I know Jesus loves me because he's coming to take me home with him. I know Jesus loves me because he died for me. You've been listening to a production of 3ABN Australia Television. God bless you kids and remember to join us next week.